Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. We are buying a boat that costs literally as much as a condo, and the warranty part of the contract is one single page. Recently, I bought a new microwave, and it had way more pages than that. In today's podcast, I'll talk about what I learned about warranties and who is supposed to be responsible for what. First, let me put in a disclaimer. I am not a lawyer, like not even close, but I am the one who has to deal with all the warranty work, which is why I really wanted to dive into this topic and understand. There were just a lot of questions that I could only get partial answers to. And I started getting nervous hearing about what people have gone through in this just initial boat shakedown period. But I've come to terms with the saying that boats are a hole in the ocean you throw your money into, new or used. I mean, your life depends on the thing, so why not? And I have to admit, this topic makes me a little more grouchy than usual, so please bear with me as I get through this. I set out to first understand who is responsible and liable for warranty work or a defect in the event of a worst-case scenario, and then work my way backwards. I had no idea it would become an epic journey through the land of attorneys and juggernauts. So if you're listening to this podcast in order, yay for you, you also know by now how my brain works. Step one, imagine the nuclear scenario. In this case, the most dramatic scenario I can imagine as it pertains to warranty worker defects. And step two, talk myself off the ledge by doing the research and figuring out who is accountable for what, and then spend the requisite five sleepless nights rationalizing why I'm not just throwing my hard-earned money away foolishly into the ocean as if I'm at a Vegas strip club. Finally, gather info on what types of warranty work that might be expected. I'll share what I learned so far on all these things. Mind you, I'm not even on the boat yet, but I did learn a few things that surprised me and I wanted to share my fantastic adventure sussing up all the boogeymans out of the warranty process. So here goes. Let's start with the actual one-page warranty. It says blibbity blah and scooby-dooby-doo, but in the end, it states that in the event of a disagreement, the jurisdiction is managed by the local courts in the town where the boat is manufactured, and the law applicable to the sale of the boat and covering the warranty is under French law, and... French law states that it supersedes any other contract, including the warranty document I was given. So therefore, the warranty document is basically pretty useless, which now makes sense why it's only one page. I mean, why try? If it takes someone like me, with marginal intelligence, to have to sort that out over a week, you can bet it certainly leads to confusion about how to resolve an issue and what constitutes as a warranty item or poor design flaw in the first place. None of that's spelled out. I mean, these guys have some crackerjack attorneys who probably charge them an arm and a leg to basically say, whatever you do, say nothing. So let's take a real-life example. This is a true story, by the way. A couple years ago, a catamaran sank near shore, thank goodness, but the hatch was faulty. They were sailing along, and the emergency hatch just busts open, and the boat started to take on water. They beached the boat before it fully sank, and of course... It just so happened it was at high tide during a king's tide, so the poor souls realized the next day that the boat wasn't going anywhere for a while. You can't make this stuff up. All the insurance crap notwithstanding, 
Whose problem is that? The boat manufacturer or the hatch supplier? Who's responsible for a recall? And what constitutes a real fix? Putting back in the same exact replacement hatch, sealing the hatch shut, or having the builder source a new vendor for the hatch. At one point in the story, dealers were giving owners the advice that it's best to seal the hatch shut, which defeats the whole frickin' purpose of it being an emergency hatch. It's these kinds of issues I wanted to understand and get more clarity on. Since I was still negotiating my contract and getting my questions answered on the warranty as I'm going through the handover process, that's what I wanted to set up myself for. Not later when the situation unfolds and everyone's pointing fingers. So with this kind of situation in mind, I did some more research. I don't know about you, but I would consider this an eminent danger situation and in the gray area of accountability. At this point, I wanted to talk to an actual human being. So I reached out and had an exchange with a maritime attorney in France to talk about French law, who was familiar with cases like this. In addition, I also talked to the warranty person at our broker to understand how this would be handled. So here's what I learned. The good news is the laws in Europe on consumer safety are in our favor, gold star. Here's a couple points. The liability falls on the producer to the product, regardless of who the product was sold through or sourced from. It's based on who affixes their brand name or their logo to the product. So in this case, all liability falls on the boat manufacturer. This applies if the producer was bound by contract to the victim or not. So it doesn't matter whether or not you have a warranty document or a contract directly with the factory or your broker. Under the hidden defect warranty regime in France, the factory would be liable both to the dealer and to you as a product owner. So that's a bummer for them. Under French law, the French civil code, a seller remains liable for a hidden defect to a good even after it's been resold to a third party. So although there's no direct contract between the seller and a sub-buyer, in this case the broker, the seller remains liable to the broker, but in the terms and limits of the original contract. Liability for hidden defect lies on the seller no matter whether he is also the manufacturer. If a damage is caused by a failure of parts supplied to and assembled by the factory, then the factory would, in principle, be liable. Note that the written warranty notice that I had said something completely different, which is why you have to really pay attention to the written warranty and also the law it's written under, which may not be anywhere in writing. So on defects and recall. The producer has an obligation to put out products that are safe and recall products immediately that were deemed unsafe. Action can be brought against a producer who failed to do a recall or who exposes someone to imminent risk of serious injury or death. Roger that. Under French Consumers Code, the manufacturer has a duty to take the necessary actions to control the risks that the product it makes and markets presents, including the withdrawal from the market, adequate and effective consumer warning, and recall from consumers of products placed in the market. And besides that, they could face criminal liability for not doing so when such defects are likely to cause serious damage, in particular a threat to human life. Okay, and here's the tough part on legal action. A claim against a manufacturer should be founded on liability for hidden defects rather than on liability for defective products. The law only applies to the damage caused by the defective product to the persons or the goods than the defective product itself. In the event it's not clear which party, the producer, the supplier, or the seller, caused the issue, all will be equally held responsible. In case of a serious issue, the manufacturer 
and the reseller would both be notified. All evidence should be preserved and usually assistance is provided by the vessel's insurers. If a claim is made to the manufacturer and they don't reply, you can file a claim before the court, wherever the town is that uh, is under the jurisdiction. Here's some other things I learned. There's a fraud liability if there's an attempt to deceive a party of the qualities of a product. Insufficient information is also grounds for liability. The security that one expects or depends upon based on information provided. That means if there was no information given on how to service or use items that result in an injury, the producer is still liable. This is an important thing to asterisk. Finally, regulatory compliance does not constitute a defense. Okay, so that's a lot of jargony stuff, and maybe you guys can listen to that again, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone had the key points. So here's also what I understand that the broker does. The factory warranty goes into effect, and the customer releases the factory from any further manufacturing improvements upon delivery on the date of handover. But the commissioning agent hired by the broker signs for customer acceptance of the boat as it leaves the factory on your behalf and this commences commissioning. This is your warranty start date. And I talked more about the commissioning and handover and uh, outfitting process in the previous podcast, uh, which is why I wanted to do a quick follow-up. But the point is, is you have to be really, really clear when the boat is actually put into your name and when your warranty start date happens. This means you're assuming acceptance of the boat as it is from the factory when the boat is delivered to the commissioning agent on your behalf. So if you want to have a role in that and check out the boat, you need to be there in person on the exact date and intercept that exchange. It's been my observation that it's not always known to the owner when the handover exactly happens, which could really present logistical challenges if you're also planning to book flights to France two weeks in advance. The broker serves as a contact to the manufacturer, so they aren't overwhelmed by direct contact by thousands of boat owners all over the world. Or here's an idea. Just build a better boat. They serve as this representative to assist us mostly directly, and it also helps manage the requests of the workflow. At least I hope. Everything attached to the boat, like hatches, should be covered by the manufacturer, except for major systems such as engines, navigation, generators, all that kind of thing, that you basically select as options ahead of time. In terms of these third-party manufactured components, these manufacturers have dealers all over the world, and you can find them on their website under the dealer locator, and if they're all listed as an authorized dealer. So, for example, Volvo, Raymarine, Garmin, Cummins, you have to contact those dealers directly on their dealer website. So you're pretty much on your own to manage that. So there you go. Clear as mud, right? A friend and I were joking around that they should offer an SDCW course on boat long contracts. And then he suggested calling his next boat, Lawyers Can't Swim. And we got a good laugh out of that. That's it on who's supposed to do what. And now I'm going to go through a bunch of things that are likely candidates for initial warranty work. This is based on actual examples for a new catamaran purchase. So I just pulled these out of my head. But I wanted to give you a flavor of the types of big things that come up as it pertains to the warranty. So first, here's a bunch of examples of the big stuff. Main electric winch. Repair sail drive and replace prop. Repair cracks and keels from original blocking position or gel coat repair where voids open up. Replace water maker, the pump, or the water maker membranes. Replace porthole in four peaks um, or different portholes that are leaking. Replace uh, furler jammer. Replace AC control boxes. 
replace uh, main salon AC for bad shore power connections or things go haywire. Mass based water leak into salon, uh, steering cables, you don't want that to go wrong. Engine control failure, add vents in the salon, I guess they didn't add them originally or something come out of the factory. Replace gooseneck pin and masthead deflector. Stern cleats that come loose, uh, starboard fuel tank leak, Garmin VHF radio failure, Lumar window frames are corroding at the corners, engine oil leaks, sliding door frame leaks. Pardon me for listing all this stuff out and I might run out of breath, but this podcast is for you and it's good free diving breathing practice for me. So here's another list of some of the smaller stuff as well. Fix AIS, I guess it stopped working in a storm. Fix uh, mass light because it never worked. Yeah, you'd kind of need that. Fix and resell aft cleat. Replace lost generator exhaust cover. Multiple broken door hinges. Those things are pretty flimsy. There's got to be a better system for that. Replace uh, kitchen island wood panel. Topping lift damage. Sump pump sensor. Generator inverter. Traveler jammers. Spinnaker halyard jammer unmasked. Bilge pumps. False bilge alarms. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't want that. Okay, so welcome aboard. No wonder sailors drink so much. So here's the good news. We're told that all this stuff gets sorted out and mills out after the first year. And bonus gift of buying a new boat is the stuff is covered under warranty. Thank you very much. This just shows it's really, really important again for me to reset my expectations so I'm not showing up at the dock with my sun hat and sandals thinking I'm sailing off into the sunset. I also think that if you're taking delivery in the U.S. through a U.S. broker and you stick around the first season, you can probably sort this stuff out because you aren't underway fully yet. We may have set ourselves up for difficulty thinking we could pick up our own boat and deal with it in France directly on the ground with the trio of titans, the manufacturer, the broker, and the commissioning agent who are all in one place. What a preposterous idea. When we end up going through this process for real, we'll share all of that real time later and tell you it all ran much more smoothly than I expected. I think it's best to think of all this as just being sort of part of the vibe. This is just another area where expectations can turn into premeditated resentments and even anger. But in understanding what I do now, at least I know what the laws mean, what my rights are, and I have a better understanding of who's supposed to be doing what when they try to argue with me as just another girl with a can I speak to the manager haircut. What about you? What have you learned in your own experience with warranties? Please join the conversation on Facebook or leave comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Next week, I'll be talking about medical training and readiness, and you will not want to miss it. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Fair winds for now.